Welcome to the CX Hustle podcast. My name is Justin Tippin, and today I'm joined by James Whitcomb, the director at Smart Recruitment. G'day, James. Morning, Justin. Really excited to uh, finally get a hold of you on a podcast and talk all things recruitment in the contact centre industry. Looking forward to it. Um, now, mate, you've been on this journey for a little while. Um, mm. I noticed you've been at, um, at Smart now for sort of 13 plus years. Mm. How did you get into to call centre recruitment to start with? Well, when I finished university, um, HR was my passion. And within HR, I thought recruitment was the most exciting uh, type of work. Uh, I did start at another agency doing accounting recruitment. And accounting recruitment was interesting, but it was it's very resume-based, accounting yep. recruitment. You can look at an accountant's resume and you can see whether they've got their CPA, you can see the firm that they've worked at. Um, and so the actual process of recruiting an accountant and particularly the interview process, is, is it's almost just like ticking a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't stay long at that agency. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a short role, but this is back in 2005. And I, I joined Smart as the first employee uh, literally three months after they started. Uh, and the two founders of Smart uh, had decided that the call center industry was um, a really good market to get into. Uh, and in particular, in our first couple of years as an agency, we almost solely focused on telesales. Uh, and recruiting sales roles and recruiting telesales roles, it is a real art. Um, you know, to, the magic happens actually in the interview. Yeah. Um, so when you're looking at somebody's resume, particularly for a sales role, um, yeah, you can see uh, some obvious clues there, but probably many of our best hires have been candidates whose resume gave no indication on their level of suitability for a sales or a call center job uh, and they've ended up being top performers who have progressed so um, I find call center recruitment a lot more interesting um, because we're actually judging candidates a lot more on how they perform at interview as opposed to the black and white of their resume. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess, you know, it's no secret that there's been, you know, relatively high turnover mm. in a call centre industry. Uh, and we'll talk about your your best practice report, which has got some figures in there uh, a little bit later on. But um, what, what are you seeing, I guess, in 2019 when we're doing this podcast, um, you know, some of the challenges today in recruitment, because it's still not probably seen as a sexy career choice, is it? Mm. So, you know, how mm. do you attract people into the call centre industry? Yeah, we we try to do a lot of promotion uh, and probably to my point earlier around the career path. Uh, You know, I I interviewed a candidate this morning who um, has decided to to look for their next role. Uh, They started as an agent uh, in 2009 uh, and uh, they progressed very quickly um, from working on the phones, team leadership, sort of middle management, call center management, then then head of contact center. and yeah, in that short space of time, in terms of salary, you know, they've gone from an agent level role to, you know, earning you know close to two hundred thousand yep. uh, dollars. And so, what I find is is sometimes the beauty of the contact center industry is it, it rewards hard work. It really does reward hard work. Uh, and so, if you can uh, commence your career, uh, you know, even at the most entry level position, uh, and you can work really hard. Uh, and you can be smart about the way you, you work and you move throughout your career, um, there's a lot of opportunity. Often, sometimes the hardest roles for us to recruit are at the team leader level uh, because a lot of call center, I guess, new starters don't necessarily take the job as a career move. So there is a lot of transition out of the contact center um, you know, at that 6, 12, 24-month mark. So there's a bit of a vacuum. Um, 
And so sometimes recruiting team leaders can be really challenging for us. And I think what that means is there's great opportunity there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we try to convey that message as, um, you know, a contact centre role uh, can offer you a great career, uh, not just a job for now. Yeah. Um, are, are there any particular roles, I guess, in, in today's environment that are tougher to, to fill? You mentioned team leaders, obviously, mm. just then uh, at the base level. I mean, I'm assuming outbound telemarketing, for mm. example, is probably mm. a lot harder to fill than an inbound, but mm. that's just my assumption. Is, it, is that correct or are you seeing other uh, trends? They, they are both challenging out, and for two different reasons. Outbound sales, for example, uh, the, the challenge is finding good applications. Inbound customer service, the challenge is um, sifting through 500 applications to find the best right um so yeah if we advertise a telesales role over the weekend we might receive 25 applications if Mm. we advertise an inbound customer service role we will probably save three or four hundred applications wow okay um so the call centers that we work with are either paying us to shortlist the 400 applications into the best 10 or they're paying us to actually go out and be more proactive with the telesales roles because um you know applications certainly via a job board for, for, for a telesales role, are probably not going to cut it. We need to work a lot harder as an agency. The flow on there at the team leader level is, is probably the most challenging role for us to fill at the moment uh, are sales team leaders. Yep. If you're a sales team leader, um, then your next opportunity in the market um, you know, is, well, there's going to be a lot of opportunities um, if you're looking to leave. Because again, if someone's worked for 18, 24 months in telesales, um, there's a lot of career opportunities there um, outside of the call center, sales repping, account management, BDMs, on the road, um, across a whole variety of industries on really good money, mm. on really good money. And that, that's often where, um, you know, an experienced two years telesales person will, will go to a BDM role, yep. um, perhaps as opposed to a, a team leader role. Yep. Um, given you've been in the game now a, a while, have you noticed any sort of changes, I guess, in terms of how you recruit? I know you said the magic happens in the uh, in the interview, mm. um, and that's the skill, I guess, of the, of the recruiter. But are you seeing any other trends? Obviously, there's a lot of technology that we're mm. seeing applied in the call center industry. Is that sort of transitioned into the recruitment industry as well? Yeah, absolutely. So when we look to recruit now, if I compare it to, say, 2005, you know, 2005, even, you know, up until more recently, you could solely recruit off off the job boards. So Seek, Indeed, um, you know, My Career, those types of sites. They they would give you everything you need. Uh, and so what we were really doing as recruiters then was just coordinating and shortlisting. Now um, get less, you know, far less of a response off the job board. Um, you know, the way that sites like Seek.com.au are set up is, you know, it's it's one click apply. So candidates can quite easily apply for. 60 jobs in 60 minutes and so the challenge for us is that candidates do do that it's ascertaining their motivation and their level of interest in the role because if you we we find that when candidates apply for 60 jobs in 60 minutes they then just wait and see who calls back and then they start taking notice of the role so they're not even really noticing what they're applying for so what that's meant for us is we've needed to get better at other what we call um, application streams Um, so we have a very heavy social media presence um, so we uh, look for candidates through social media streams. Um, our own website is a really strong generator. Um, but probably because we've been in, in Melbourne in particular since 2005, you know, word of mouth is probably still the most powerful. Um, and also candidates coming back to us that we've placed two or three years ago. Um, so we really try to give our candidates a great experience first time and every time at SMART. 
um, because when they're going to look for their next job, we want them to come to us first. Yep. Um, so there's lots of different avenues or channels, as you might like to call them, to, to finding good candidates. Um, and we need to play heavily in all of them. And then there's being proactive and actually approaching what, what probably used to be called headhunting and seen as cloak and dagger, um, you know, th- particularly through social media now. You know, we can reach out to anybody, whether they reply yep. or not is another thing. But um, call centers don't want us just to literally put an ad up on their behalf. They want us to be really active um, in finding candidates from multiple different sources. Yep. I mean, when you walk through a call center today, there's a huge diversity in terms of the type of people that work there, mm. um, both in, in, in age and gender and, uh, and, of course, background and experience. Do you find that there's anything that sort of lends itself really well to the to the call center work, or, or is the excitement in that diversity and it yeah could be from anywhere oh look i think the excitement is in the diversity because we all love working with diverse people look i think a really good example we talked to a lot of our call centers about is um we we had a hire a couple of years ago for a a, a, a sales role um and you'd probably see it all the time we ran the assessment center um we were looking to hire 10 particular people on that day um the first nine were pretty obvious and then we sort of had four or five candidates that we were choosing from for that last position and one of the candidates uh, was a bricklayer Um, been a bricklayer for about three years uh, no contact center experience no sales experience before Um, personality wise though very extroverted um, performed really well in the group setting communicated really well um, and seemed really reliable. So this particular call center chose uh, to take a bit of a punt on him, um, and he was the only person chosen without sales experience from the center. Uh, within three months, he was a top-performing salesperson yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in that role. Um, and it was a great example of um, you know, taking someone from a different background. It doesn't always work, though. Um, we kind of thought maybe bricklayers are this hidden, uh, you know, are hidden yeah. salespeople. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so, you know, over the next couple of months, find that we, we, we sort of prioritized bricklayers um, and, and, and the next three or four weren't right. Right. Um, and in call centers, are, we find that the, 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 the biggest challenge they have is they're constantly battling with, um, we want experienced agents because they can hit the ground running. Um, but we find um, that in terms, definitely in terms of tenure, um, somebody spends the most amount of time in their first agent level role. So if this is your first role in the contact center at an agent level, that is the role you are gonna spend the longest in. The second or third role at the same level, you are nowhere near as likely to spend as much time as the first. So if call centers are prepared to invest just a little bit more time in their training, their product training, um, you know, whether it be their sales or their customer service training, they're going to get a lot more return. But sort of that sugar hit of hiring, uh, you know, 10 staff who all have got call center experience, um, you know, it's, it, it is addictive. You know that these people have had experience on the phone. They have had experience, you know, using six or seven different systems. Um, it, it's really tempting to, to, to go with that. Um, but often you'll get, yeah, you will get more tenure out of someone who's actually never worked in the industry before. Yeah. And in terms of um, what's recruitment look like in terms of uh, what happens on your side now, you've mentioned obviously assessment uh, centres. Mm. Um, what are the, the traditional steps now? I guess mm. it's probably changed as well over the years. And uh, Yeah, we, we customise ours based on what that particular contact centre wants to do. Um, and, and we're really big on 
Um, if something's worked in the past, let's, let's duplicate it. Um, if you've got a particular uh, activity, a particular role play, a particular set of questions that you like, that you feel has really um, improved your hiring process, then, 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 uh, then let's go with that. Yeah. If money was no object, what, what would the steps include? Uh, in terms of if money was not written around regarding the placement fee? Uh, no, in terms of actually trying to um, to get the right agents for your call centre. So if I engaged yep. you or yep. any recruitment agency and I said, you know what, I just want the best agents, mm. uh, go, go find them yeah. and you know, do all the tests that you need, do everything yeah. you need, but I just want you know <laughs> the A-team. Um, yeah. What would those steps look like? like yeah, so first thing it would look like uh which rarely happens is a reasonable length of time um, <laughs> what, you can't get them all by next week and have them tested no. and, and look we're really used to working in a very tight time frames um probably one thing that works to that advantage now is um call center agents are really prepared to uh walk out of a job uh and not necessarily give four weeks notice i don't know if it's necessarily a good thing but Time to hire used to be, no, we, we really need at least six weeks because a lot of the agents are going to give need to give four weeks. Mm. Um, agents now don't necessarily give four weeks. And to be honest, call centers are, are often supportive of that. Look, if you've checked out, yep. um, you know, let's end things amicably, but you, you may as well finish now. So probably our, our, our preference, though, would be the, the, the more time you give us, the more thorough. That, that you can be in. And that's probably one of the biggest single factors that will determine the quality of your group of hires yep. is how long we've got to go through. We don't need forever. Um, you know, probably the, the optimum time for us for a large intake of say 20 uh, would be would be five or six weeks. You know, that, that that's 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 a really comfortable time frame, even, even four to five. Mm-hmm. But probably a lot of our requests come through now uh, more at the two to three week mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, you get ones that are look we suddenly need 12 temps to start next week and, and we work to all of those. But if you can give us the right time to begin with, that's fantastic. Um, we then probably like to do a really integrated um, marketing campaign. So we'd use the job boards, but we'd do a heavy social media. Um, we'd like to use video. Uh, if possible, we'd like to use video to maybe uh, interview some of the, the members of the contact center. Um, if we can get the, the call center manager speaking on camera, that's fantastic. So a real PR video um, mm. highlighting what it's like to work in that organization. Is there one platform that tends to work better for you than others? You know, Facebook, um, yeah, Instagram, uh, TikTok now? Or, um, you know, yeah, not onto TikTok not... just yet. Um, I think we're planning to pretty soon. Uh, it, it just depends. One thing we've noticed with the different, all different sourcing channels is um, you've got to do them all, all the time. Yep. Um, because where the best candidates drop out from this month might be different again next month. So um, at agent level, probably, yeah, more the, the social media channels like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, if we're doing, you know, team leader, contact center manager or executive level, um, more LinkedIn yep. for, for those types of things. But the marketing component is really, really important. We'd also go heavily to our, um, you know, to our own database, um, We've got, uh, I think, around 400,000 candidates there, and, and, and we try to keep that really fresh as well. They're not, they're not stale, old candidates. Uh, so that would that, be the main part of the marketing component. Um, from, a, from an assessment point of view, uh, you know, if we were hiring 20 agents, we'd probably like to phone screen um, probably 150 to 200. Uh, so that's, that's a phone interview, judging candidate suitability, um, 
But a lot of the time as well, it's also making sure that they uh, meet the requirement and are aware of the requirements, uh, you know, in terms of location, in terms of salary, it, because candidates are just applying, you know, for anything. So, uh, and then based on that, if, if we're doing 20 hires, we're, we're probably bringing in 80 for a first round assessment. Um, and from that, we would then look to um, drop that down to 40 for the final round assessment. So, uh, and often the final round assessment of, of say 40, um, you know, that, that, that would be split over several days, but uh, we would very much like the call centre to be present and involved in that. So whether it's the call centre manager, a couple of team leaders that are going to be the line managers, some recruiters along there, but we would like to eventually give our call centres an opportunity of probably a two-to-one ratio at the final stage. Yeah. Um, and, and when they come in for that day um, mm. for candidates, is it just, um, you know, the, the group sort of role play kind of stuff or is there aptitude testing or, you know, what's it look like? Yeah, it, it's a real mix. Some of our call centres are very specific around the testing that they like to use. Um, psychometric testing comes in and out of uh, popularity, mm -hmm. probably across the whole industry, to be honest, but particularly with contact centres. So we don't set use much at the agent level, to be honest. Um, our, our advice with psychometric testing is um, we'll support the use of any tool, but you really need to have verified that it's accurate based on your current staff. Um, and by that we say, uh, if, you've, if you've got a psychometric tool you want to assess candidates, um, you need to have sampled your own workforce to, to make sure that that test is accurate. So get 10 of your best agents and get 10 of your worst. Yep. Put yep. them through the tool, and if, if that gets that right, then you've got a really good tool, and we recommend you use it. Um, Skills-based testing, though, so things like typing test, um, logic and reasoning, um, numerical, that, that's always a really good one yep. uh, because you, know, you want to make sure that candidates... I mean, everybody is pretty computer savvy these days, yep. uh, but um, you probably want slightly better than, than, than computer savvy. In terms of the actual assessment day, uh, our, our recommendation, you know, a lot of it comes back to candidate experience. We, we don't want candidates coming for three or four hours uh, because that's just too draining. Uh, we want them to probably to be in and out in absolute maximum two hours. Um, and we want to we want to mix. So if we're doing a group assessment, probably our ideal number is uh, about eight candidates, um, and a large part of it as well needs to be a a sell on the job, uh, a PR session. So that's why we like to have members of the call centre present, so they can talk about this is our organisation's value and purposes, um, because value and purposes have become really important to why a candidate chooses a job. So it could also be a video that they show, but they talk about their role. Um, you know, it's then probably a, a, an opportunity for each uh, camp to introduce themselves to the to the group for three or four minutes. Uh, we then we then break off and do some group activities, um, and and those activities are normally customised based on the role. Um, following that, it's uh, it's often a, a phone role play. Um, so candidates, um, you know, doing a, a live not a live call but a, a mock call yep. uh, individually. Uh, and then concludes with a one-on-one -on -one, yeah. uh, with probably a, one of the team leaders whose team they'd be in. Um, so it's not, um, you know, it, it's not a huge, um, it's not hugely different to the way we, we honestly did it five or 10 years ago. Um, you know, probably through experience that we've got better at understanding what performance means uh, in terms of performance at group assessment. Probably the biggest mistake a lot of uh, hiring managers make is on the customer service side. So when group assessments for customer service are being run, 
Uh, it's very different to sales. You know, with sales, you'd probably do want that extroverted person who is going to perform well in the group. Mm. Whereas with customer service, just because someone's not as extroverted in a group setting, um, you know, it doesn't mean they're not going to be a great, reliable, solid performer. Yep. And so we, we've started to knit, really need to educate some of our clients who say, look, you know, that candidate, Justin, in the, in the customer service assessment, he was just a little bit more quieter than most. You know, he didn't really stand out. I don't know if he's right. Whereas you don't need someone to really stand out um, and to be the loudest person in the room, particularly if, if, if that's not going to be um, relevant to the job. Yep, yep. Um, one of the things I really wanted to talk to today about is just, I guess, your, your involvement in the industry. And I think you guys have been doing some fantastic work around, um, you know, you've done a number of, um, you know, evening sessions, um, you know, with some drinks, and some, which has been great for network, but also a chance to learn from some of the, um, you know, some of the experts around. Mm. And of course, you did the, uh, the 2019 Contacts in a Best Practice Report, um, you know, early in the year, which was a fantastic source of information gave people a chance to, to benchmark against against other people yeah because uh, we always like to know how we're, how we're doing so yeah. talk to me about sort of the, the rationale behind that mm. because it's a big commitment you don't typically charge or it might be a small fee just to cover some you know some costs but it's yeah. it's, it's obviously um i assume one great lead generation because it's getting a brand out there but it's mm. also you know i think a fantastic thing to do for the industry yeah so look recruitment is a competitive marketplace uh, there's no doubt about it. We've got a, a lot of competitors out there. And so, you know, there's no doubt that some of these initiatives that we run, um, we run them, you know, for as our point of difference. But there's no reason, there's no point in having a point of difference if it's not going to add real value. Um, and we want to be able to add real value to the call centers we work with by showing that we really understand their industry. Um, and not just surface level understanding, but we have a really deep understanding so what that, that's involved probably over the last three or four years is, yeah, running um, events. Um, we've hosted events. Um, you know, some of the titles of the events were uh, increasing emotional intelligence in call center agents, um, introducing agile methodology, um, peak performance uh, around sales in contact centers. Uh, and more recently, yeah, our best practice report really came about because a lot of call center managers approach us um, for industry information uh, because we recruit across many contact centers um, you know we're seen as, as, a, as that source of information and I started to notice more and more regularly I was getting contacted asking and asked questions around you know that one of the ones that really stood out was a call center that was going through a restructure of their inbound customer service team um, and they were debating internally around what what should our team size be for our agents you know and so they came to me and asked, what's the average customer service team size for inbound? And I said, great question. Uh, I can give you a couple of examples, but I don't actually know. And so we recognized there was a real opportunity um, for some market research. Uh, and so we consulted with 15 call center managers in, in creating the best practice report to help frame it. Um, we, we asked them, what is it that you most want to know about other call centers? So we asked them that one question uh, and we... And <laughs> We came up with over 600 replies. Uh, and from that, we, we, we trimmed it down into the common themes and the common topics. And then we, we've gone back out and I think we've surveyed about 130 call centers now. Um, and so that can really allow on all the topics, just allow a, a contact center to see where they sit. You know, there's not necessarily right or wrong answers with most of the questions, but it can just help a contact center to go, okay, this is what retention is like um, in another co contact center. Or these are some of the perks that other centers are offering um, oh look you know you can have a look now and see that 
you know, 40% of contact centers have a, have a CX manager now. You know, that number's really grown over the last three years. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest growth roles, but it's a really good tool. Um, and, and with each question, um, we just wanted a call center to be really honest. You know, we don't highlight anyone's answers, but it allows um, the reader to go, okay, this is where we sit. Um, and this is where everyone else is sitting. Yep. So to answer that question around the average team size, it looks like the most popular answer was 13 to 15, which is... Yeah, 13 to 15. Um, but as you can see on that question there, there are team sizes ranging between 6 and over 20. Yeah, you know, that's right. Quite yeah. surprisingly, I think 7% of call centres have a team size over 20. Yep. Now, with that one question, though, what we did see, though, with is, is a correlation between teams over 20... Uh, and high employee turnover. Yeah. It's <laughs> <Which is> probably <laughs> not a surprise. <laughs> not a surprise at all. So, I mean, look, just glancing through some of the, the headings in the report, you know, employee perks, retention, salaries, mm. um, you know, turnover, obviously, onboarding, training, development, performance. Um, mm. You yeah, know, there is some, some really relevant stuff in there. If people want to get a copy of the report, I know we're yep. doing another one in, in 2020, yep. um, but if people want to get a, a report now, how can they do that? Uh, they can just shoot me an email, james at smart with two A, so S M A A rt.com.au um, if you want a customized report though the, the survey we, we're calling it live research so it's ongoing you can jump on um, onto onto our survey tool at the moment and, and, and input your data and if you do input your data we can then give you a customized report so we can show a contact center um, who's given us their data where they sit in every single question that's yep. um, a really good visual representation for that contact center and in particular for call center managers who might be building a business case mm. hey we need to really improve this area you know they might have been saying to their gm or to the ceo for years um, you know this one particular area or maybe it's multiple areas where we're, we're well below best practice um, with our report you've now got some data to back up those claims Yep, no, I think it's an incredibly powerful tool for that exact reason. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, so there you go. So, James right. uh, at smartrecruitment, two A's, uh, .com .au, Just smart, not, um, oh, sorry, not recruitment. Smart. Sorry, yep. James at smart.com.au. <laughs> but it's also all on the website. You can find it on our website. Yep, and we'll put a link, obviously, uh, in, the, in the back of this podcast as well for everyone if they want to get it. Um, uh, before we sort of wind up, I guess just where are we heading? I'm just mm. interested in your thoughts. You, you are obviously very close to the, to the recruitment space yep. and, and one of the leaders in the, in the call center industry. Where do, you, where do you see it all heading? And what's the next five years look like in recruitment? It's really interesting. I think one of the biggest challenges call centers have around recruitment is the fact that, um, you know, the wider organization sees agent level recruitment as entry level recruitment. They see it as quite easy um, compared to some of the other roles. Um, and, and that's a really naive view. Um, you know, recruiting agents and, and often in high volume is not easy um, and, and, and getting it wrong is really, really costly because if you get an intake of 20 or 30 wrong, mm. um, you're talking uh, a huge turnover uh, and you're talking a, a lot of cost, a mm. lot of direct cost and then a lot of indirect costs I, as well. I remember seeing a number, uh, I'm not sure if it was in that re report that you touched on it, but it was around $25,000, I mm. think, was the average cost to replace a call centre agent when yep. you consider the recruitment costs, the uh, the, the training, the, you know, the loss of performance as they ramp up to speed, etc. Is, yeah. is that sort of... Yeah, there's a lot of figures. Some, some um, and it's not specific to contacts in the industry, but some uh, reporting believe it's it's half a year's salary. Mm. Um yeah, opportunity costs, customer dissatisfaction. It's a little bit hard to measure, yeah. um, but just even the time in the recruitment process, yeah, the, the training, you know, four, six weeks of training. Yep, yep. Um, 
then the team leader's involvement. So it is really, really costly. And, and um, yeah, organisations have a view a lot of the time that it, it should be quite easy because it's, it's, it's entry level. Uh, whereas in, in reality, um, it's, it's really quite challenging. So, and, and that hasn't changed over 13 or 14 years. And, and one of the reasons, reasons it hasn't changed in many ways is because um, recruitment teams change. So, um, you know, they might go through a phase where they're going to try and do all their recruitment themselves, which we respect, uh, and then they'll go through a phase where they outsource it all to us, which, which we respect. And probably that's um, part of the charm and, and why recruiters who love recruitment enjoy it so much is um, we're always trying to chase that pot at the end of the rainbow. We just can't quite get there. Yeah. And we're always trying to, you know, as soon as you think you've perfected something, it's changed again. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as, uh, you know, you, you've, 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 you've got something right, you know, there's a, there's, you know, you turn the corner and there's, there's another challenge there. So I, I think where, you know, there's, there's no Nirvana with recruitment. There's no perfect formula for getting everything 100% right. Um, and a lot of that as well comes back to the job design of, of, of the agents um, and, and roles are constantly changing. Um, you know, the way that contact centres are expecting their agents uh, to behave is changing. Um, and so we're continually adapting, which from my point of view makes it really exciting. That, yeah. that, that, that's what I love. Um, I love the, you know, the, the ins and outs of the industry. Um, and look, if, if recruitment was really, really easy, um, there'd be no reason to use an agency. Sure. Um, and so, uh, you know, in some ways we benefit from it being a real challenge. Yeah. I know we spoke a little bit offline around just is it the complexities of the call centre agent, um, the skill set required mm. is certainly getting, uh, well, it's increasing, isn't it? Because, yep. you know, digitisation is getting rid of those sort of simple transactions and therefore you're getting left with more complex stuff, which means, I guess, more problem-solving mm-hmm. skills than we've ever required before in the call centre agent. Does, yep. does that sort of, how is that going yeah, to the, 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 the first request we get now is emotional intelligence. Yep. We want high EQ in our agents and we also want agents that have um, the ability to have what we would call conversations of influence. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a customer service role, a collections role, a technical support role, a sales role, um, if an agent can have a, an, a conversation of influence, um, you know, then they can help to um, you know, uh, direct the outcome towards uh, you know, what, what the organisation is looking to achieve. But emotional intelligence is often the first request but it's also one of the hardest things I was thinking, to be how, able how, to do you, how, how do you measure emotional intelligence mm. there, there's no um, foolproof way um, you know there, there are some testing tools that are available but but nothing's I guess really more powerful than getting to know your candidate properly um, and and that can be really hard when you're recruiting at scale mm. um, if you're doing an intake like we ran through there for 20 agents there's not a lot of one-on-one time um, what I recommend to call centers is, you know, profiling your best agents. Go and look at your, your, your best five or six agents because they'll probably be all quite different. Um, what is it about them in terms of their emotional intelligence? Um, and what did they look like before they joined? If you went and interviewed them now, would they stand out? Because often your top performer or your top performers weren't necessarily obvious choices. Um, and, and judging emotional intelligence and hiring for emotional intelligence. There are some tools and some questions you ask and, and, and you, can, you can find them quite easily on Google. Um, but candidates are also savvy as well. You can, you can find on Google how to best answer any interview question. That, that's very true, right? So, um, well, it sounds like, look, it's certainly a, an exciting 
space, as you as you said. And uh, yeah, there are, look, there are lots of um, suppliers out there. There is a list on the uh, on our on CX directory, so it's cxdirectory.com.au for all our recruitment uh, providers that specialise in call centres. If you're looking for someone, of course, uh, we've already given out James' email address, so James at smart.com.au. I'll make sure I get it right this time. Um, and um, yeah, certainly looking forward to uh, hearing about some of your events. We normally always have uh, the smart events on our calendar as well. So if you're looking to see what's coming up, make sure you check on the calendar. And uh, obviously that 2020 report will be coming out in due course. So I'm sure... Um, yeah, I think um, probably February or, or March. Yep. Yeah, February or March Fantastic. 2020. So um, yeah, if you're interested in a copy of the one now, obviously get in contact with James. Otherwise, uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, social media and of course we'll support it as well in terms of uh, making sure you know it's out there. So uh, James, thanks for uh, thanks for the chat. Really, Thanks for having it. me, Justin. It was good fun. Uh, and uh, you know, we might uh, touch base uh, later next year and see how 2020 is panning out in all things recruitment. Thank you very much. Right. Thanks for everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the podcast. Bye for now.